0: Church, indeed, we serve a God who leads us, and who guides us, and who calls us to faithfully follow after Him. In fact, the Scriptures teach us in Isaiah chapter 55 that God's ways are higher than our ways and that His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. A truth that I think becomes increasingly clear the longer we live and the more time we spend in the Scriptures. It's certainly a truth that is evident in our passage of Scripture for this morning from Genesis chapter 41. And let me invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to look at uh, the text of God's Word with me from Genesis chapter 41. As we continue looking at the life of Joseph and the story of Joseph this morning, we have the opportunity to hear from a first-hand eyewitness of uh, these events in Joseph's life. But before we do... Uh, Let's read uh, the scripture. So let me invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's word from Genesis chapter 41, beginning in verse one. And to bring us back into the context, remember that Joseph has uh, been unfairly treated for quite some time. He has been sold by his brothers, his own family into slavery in a foreign land, the land of Egypt. And while in Egypt, he has been uh, serving his master and his master's wife, Potiphar's wife. Uh, falsely accuses, accuses him, and he is unjustly thrown in prison. And in uh, the previous chapter, our story for last week, he meets two other characters, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in prison, and he interprets their dreams. In fact, God interprets their dreams and uses Joseph to convey those events. They unfold exactly as uh, God says to Joseph. Uh, yet this chief cupbearer forgets about Joseph, and Joseph is left in prison. We pick up the story in chapter 41, verse 1, and God's word reads this way. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile when out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows Then Pharaoh woke up. Verse 5, he fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled. So he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream." And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was impaled. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it. Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. The following verses, verses 17 through 24, recount these dreams. Joseph, uh, Pharaoh tells these dreams detail, detail by detail once again to Joseph. And we pick up reading in verse 25. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. There are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. Verse 33, and now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be kept in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we do thank you that you have given us your word that You have revealed Yourself, that You have spoken to us. And Father, we pray that You would uh, grant us guidance and wisdom by Your Spirit as we seek to understand the truths of Your Word and apply them to our lives today as Your people. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Well, friends of Meadowbrook Baptist Church, I want you to know that it is good to be here with you this morning. I don't often have the opportunity to do this, that is to to tell this story, this story that I witnessed to Christians. I mean after all, you believe that the very same God that Joseph was worshiping, the very same God that Joseph communicated with and was faithful to is the God of your history. He is your God. In fact, If I understand your scriptures correctly, then you believe that these events in Joseph's life somehow contributed to uh, your knowing the same God who has called you and redeemed you to be his people and to forever enjoy the awesome privileges of knowing him. Now say this much about your God. He is real. There's no denying His existence. In fact, the way that this story is recorded right here in your Bible, in God's Word to you, Genesis chapter 41, is entirely accurate. This is exactly the way these events unfolded. I remember them. Whoever wrote this book didn't write it simply to communicate some fairy tales or Nice stories or to gain a following, they indeed must have been seeking to convey the truth. As the king of Egypt, as Pharaoh, it is a privilege to be with you today. It's a privilege to have this time to talk about this story and Joseph's life and his interaction with his his God. Now, I want you to know that the existence of this God was not difficult for me to accept or for my people to swallow after all the Egyptians are a people of of many gods. In fact, simply by being the pharaoh, the king of the land, my people think that I am a god. But I want you to know this morning, Christians, that I saw your God do some things that I cannot do. I witnessed him do some things. That I can never do or accomplish on my own. Yes. I I can train horses. And I can build chariots. And I can lead in the construction. Of impressive pyramids. That draw people's attention. From all over the world. But I. I cannot control your dreams. I, I cannot control the seasons. I cannot make it rain. And here, there's absolutely no doubt, the way this unfolded, there's no doubt in my mind that God planted these two dreams in in my mind that night. And as I conveyed them and received an interpretation from your God, these events unfolded exactly the way that they had been told. But until then, I was at a loss. I knew God had revealed something significant to me, and I had no idea what to do with this. And I can assure you, friends, of this, that the world does not understand God's purposes for His people. The world does not understand God's purposes for His His people. And I want to convey to you the truth that I witnessed In my day that God sovereignly orchestrates events to protect and to provide for his people. I saw this. Your God, the God that Joseph worshipped, sovereignly orchestrates events to protect and to provide for his people. But the world does not understand God's purposes for his people. You see, when I was perplexed about the meaning of these dreams, I sought the wisest counsel in the land. I. I sought the help of my magicians and my wise men, and they too were perplexed. They too were at a loss. I knew I was in deep when they did not know what to do with this. You know, in your day, this day, this culture, I've noticed that you have medical specialists and law specialists and engineering specialists and education specialists, and I'm sure that you too would be a bit disturbed if you had a medical issue or a medical condition that perplexed the medical specialist. That's the way it was with me. When I had these dreams, I knew God had revealed something significant to me. And yet when my magicians didn't know what to do with this, I was disturbed. I was at a loss. But looking back, I know that, that God, your God, Joseph's God, was working through it all. In fact, it all changed for me suddenly one day when I met this young Hebrew slave. When I met Joseph. Joseph caught my attention. I'll be honest with you, Joseph more than caught my attention. He impressed me. The king is not easily impressed with people, especially foreign slaves. But this Joseph, this Joseph was different. In fact, when I tried to acknowledge his great power and his wisdom, and I tried to praise him, he quickly redirected my attention away from himself and toward his God. In fact, that conversation, that interaction is recorded right here in your Bible, Genesis chapter 41, verse 14 and following. So I sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before me. And I said to him, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Verse 16, I cannot do it, he told me. I cannot do it, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Of course, I can't do it, but my God can Friends, God sovereignly orchestrates events to protect and provide for His his people. And just as Joseph's life here revealed to me and to others, there's no doubt that, that Joseph's God uses His people to tell the world about His plan. God uses His people to tell the world about His plan. That's exactly what God did through Joseph in my day. In fact, the more I think about it, the more I reflect on this story, my story, and my interaction with God's servant Joseph, it's almost as if God used Joseph to have mercy on my life and the lives of my people. It's almost as if through Joseph, God spared us. There's no doubt and people who did not even know your God or worship your God, and yet He had mercy on us. I'll say one thing about your God. Your God is a gracious God. I have no doubt that had it not been for Joseph and Joseph's faithfulness to your God, that my legacy would be far different. I wouldn't be remembered as a hero, as a king who provided grain for the surrounding nations in a difficult day. No, I would be remembered as a short-sighted, power-hungry king whose lack of wisdom and foresight led to the destruction and downfall of his people. I am so thankful for God's faithfulness to tell the world, to tell me about God's plan. And if I understand your scriptures correctly, I think you believe the same. Somewhere, I think, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that missionary Paul, speaking to Christians like you, said something like, We therefore are Christ's ambassadors, as if God were making his appeal through us. As a king, I, I know a little bit about ambassadors, about representatives. I had many of them who had the opportunity to speak for me and represent me throughout my land. In fact, Joseph became my chief ambassador. He became my chief representative, speaking on my behalf, representing me to the people. And if I understand your scriptures correctly, you too, as followers of Jesus, believe that you are representatives of God, ambassadors for God in this world. And I think that passage goes on to say something like, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, So that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. So church, do you believe that? Do you believe that God made this Jesus, this Son of God and supposed Savior of the world, this One, I'm told, is a descendant of these very Hebrews, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do you believe that 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 One took on your sin so that you could receive His perfection? so that you could receive His innocence, so that you could be reconciled to God and forgiven of your sins? Do you believe that you are representatives of this message of God to the world? Well, if you do, friends, church, Christians, if so, then tell the world about God's plan. Tell the rest of the world about God's plan. The reality is, friends, I, I still don't know if I believe All of this. But but I know I believe some of this. I know that your God was merciful on my life and the lives of my people. And I know that He was merciful once again years later as He delivered the descendants of Joseph and his brothers, the Hebrews, from slavery, from bondage in Egypt under my successor. I'm certain that He's continuing to be mercy, merciful today toward people in, in this world. And if you believe in Him, and if you believe his, his Word, then let me encourage you, let me prod you, let me challenge you to, to tell the world about His plan. For God might just use you, as He used Joseph, to spare my life. He might simply use you to tell the rest of the world about His story, about His salvation while I've got your attention this morning, and I know it's rather late, I understand that this is a rather full service, but this is the only week that I could be here with you. But while I've got your attention, I do still have your attention, right? I want to tell you a little bit more, just a bit more about this this character Joseph. I've met a lot of people in my day, but I've never met anyone like Joseph. I mean, when I met Joseph, he was a young man, only 30 years old old. What does a 30-year-old know about faith and leadership? But I want you to know that God's hand was on this Joseph. Joseph's faith in his God was steady, that it was unchanging. And by watching his life, by witnessing his interaction with his God, I learned that neither suffering nor success diminishes the faith of God's servants. Neither suffering nor nor success diminishes the faith of God's servants. I understand that you have been looking at Joseph's life for a few weeks now, so you know that he had a rather difficult life. You know that he had experienced great suffering. Today, is mother's day here. Well, Joseph lost his mother at a young age. In fact, Joseph's father thought he was dead. His brothers hated him. He had been sold into slavery in a foreign land wrongfully accused and thrown in prison, then forgotten about and stayed in prison for years, undeservingly. And yet even so, despite his suffering, despite this testing, despite this period of of trials in his life, he continued operating by faith in his God. He continued believing in his God. Notice that, that suffering alone is enough oftentimes to make someone question what they believe in. Suffering makes some abandon their faith when their tough questions can't be answered. And if suffering doesn't get them, then success surely will. In fact, the one who suffers might say that this God does not care about me. He's not good enough to take care of me. But the one who's successful might say that I am good enough without this God. Well, I want you to know that Joseph didn't say either one. He experienced the pit. In fact, he was delivered out of the pit and placed next to the throne, given greater power and great authority. In fact, the rest of Genesis chapter 41 tells the story. I entrusted everything to him. He was my representative. He was my right-hand man. He was the authority in the land of Egypt. He answered to no one except me. And despite his power... Despite his authority, he didn't abandon his faith in his God. He continued trusting in his, his God. I don't know much about your culture. I don't know much about your day. But I wonder, is the pursuit of power and the pursuit of prosperity ever something that interferes with the pursuit of faith in God. I tend to think that the lure of greed and the lure of, of pride are, are fairly timeless. And I know Joseph was not a perfect man. Certainly, I'm sure he had his flaws. But this, this man impressed me. This servant impressed me. He amazed me as he continued to trust in his God. So, so friends, if I could offer you any encouragement today from my time interacting with young Joseph, I would tell you firstly to serve God faithfully. Serve God faithfully as Joseph did. Serve God in the mountains and in the valleys. Serve God through the highs and through the lows. I can promise you this. I am so thankful that, that Joseph was faithful to God and delivering the message of God to me so that my life and the lives of my people would be spared serve god faithfully but also if you if you want to imitate joseph if you want to be like joseph you must also serve god humbly serve god faithfully and serve god humbly i'll never ever forget the words of joseph to me in verse 16 of genesis chapter 41 he said i cannot do it i can't do it on my own but god will And I've noticed, as I've reflected on some of the other stories of great leaders in your faith, the Christian faith, I think of people like Moses and David and Ruth and Mary and John, even people like Billy Graham and Lottie Moon. As I reflect on these sort of characters, I've noticed that that leaders in your faith, some of those that seem to be most genuine in their faith in the God that you serve, are characterized by Humility. So serve God faithfully, serve God humbly, and lastly, let me urge you to continue trusting the Lord. Continue trusting the Lord. I can assure you of this, though you may not always understand it, God knows what He's doing. God is sovereignly orchestrating events to protect and to provide for His people. And so friends, don't don't imitate me. Don't follow my example. for my brief time with you this morning, you, you may see that I'm, I'm wrestling with some of the truths from your faith, some of the truths that the Bible teaches about, about your God. Sometimes I think if I could only repent and be characterized by faith and humility in the God of the Scriptures, but and often my own position and pride gets in the way. I mean, I, I've really got it good. I've heard people around here brag about being the man or say about someone else, he's the man. I'm the king. It's hard to give up that. But I want you to know, I, I still don't have something that Joseph had. I don't have the faith that Joseph had. So don't imitate me, friends. Imitate Joseph and the faith that he had in his God.
1: thy hand I
0: Church, let me invite you to hear from from God's word this morning as written in Psalm 40. First few verses of Psalm 40 read this way. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth. A hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. You know, it's neat hearing uh, someone else's perspective, a unique perspective, the perspective of perhaps a a Pharaoh on the life of Joseph. But what Pharaoh and countless others failed to see is that the deliverance of Joseph from the pit simply was preparation for and a picture of something far, far more magnificent. And that is... A God who has rescued us from the pit, the mud, and the mire of sin through the cross of Jesus Christ by taking on our sin for us, that in exchange we might receive His righteousness and eternal life in and through Him. We serve a God who is faithful to us, a, a God who is working in ways that we often do not see, a God who is gracious and a God who has displayed. Uh, the greatest act of sovereignly orchestrating events to protect and to provide for his people through the cross of Jesus Christ. So church, let's stand together now and let's respond to the truths of God's word by praising his name together. Father, now as we seek to praise your name and to worship you, hear our praise, lead us in all that we do that we might be found faithful as your people. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen.